Hi there, Catsuit. Hi there, Nookie. Wait, I wasn't expecting you right now. Yeah, yeah, I just wanted to stop by and tell everyone about our event coming up Valentine's weekend. You mean the three-day education and social event focusing in on dating and relationships for kinky folks called the Kinky Dating Something Something and Love Blah 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 event? We've got great speakers lined up, including me. Yeah, also Lexi Silver, Zach Budd, Unruly Nerd Girl, and I'll even be presenting a four-hour workshop. Don't worry, it's in two parts about how to defuckify your dating and create a profile and a life that weeds out what you don't want and attracts what you do. Registration is open now. And the first 500 people get in free, so don't hesitate. Get registered at datingkinky.com slash dating dash love dash event. It's a great opportunity to learn from the people you love about the people you hope to love. I know it's on my Valentine's Day calendar. Chocolates are optional. The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky connections and kinky education. It's kinky done differently. women and other wonderful humans want. A frank and fun conversation about the way people approach each other for romance, relationships, friendships, or other partnerships that make us happy. With questions asked by a guy. And now, here is your host. Hi there, Catsuit. Hello there, Nookie, and welcome to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, a look into the beginning of traditional and non-traditional relationships, from the first impression to the messaging that finally wins people over. I'm John, known by my trademark outfit as Hi There, Catsuit, and on this edition of the show, we will get back to our wonderful, sexy selves with an author who has written the guidebook on how to do just that. Erica Lemke Pembroke is a certified life coach who specializes in wellness and sexual confidence. She works with clients from a holistic perspective, guiding them to connect with themselves, body, mind, and soul. She has a passion for helping each other's transform their lives, particularly through dance, strength training, and somatic awareness. She's helped countless women understand how to recognize their authentic being and awaken their sensuality. Erica continues her mission of helping women become their most sexually confident selves. Now let's hear what Erica wants. It's the first five. Erica, we start with the first five, five questions about firsts. And I will start with this one. When was the first time you felt you had to feel sexy again? Oh, probably in my, in my thirties, in my thirties, because it was a, a time when I had little babies and I felt just sluggish and just so non-sexy. That, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So I'd say early thirties. Yeah. When's the first time you fell in love? I was 18. My first sexual partner. Nothing wrong with that. (laughs) Mine was 22. (laughs) There we go. See, I love it. Best way to make a first impression with you. Look me in the eyes and be direct. That's always a good rule of thumb. First time you ever received a dick pic and your reaction to it. (laughs) Oh boy. Um, I'm going to say probably not until about 10 years ago. And I was excited. First bit of advice you would give to a 17 year old you. Oh, shit, that's hard. <laughs> I have an eight-year-old daughter, so let me think about this for a minute. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, hmm. 
I can change it to ask first bit of advice you would give to your 18 year old daughter. Oh, Jesus. That's probably better. Okay. I'll take it. Um, just embrace, honestly, embrace who you are, embrace your sexuality, embrace your whole damn self. Two people getting to know each other, just like we did in high school. Here is Seven Minutes in Heaven. We move into Seven Minutes in Heaven. It's the way two people get to meet each other in high school. We're not in high school anymore, but our audience would like to know more about you in that way. (laughs) So we can connect with you. (sighs) So I will start with this. What are your major turn-ons? My major major turn-ons are someone who follows through someone who is willing to give me a helping hand when needed and often when not asked. So that for me is a turn and also just an amazing smile and a great personality. Good to hear. What are your biggest turnoffs? Someone who is just weak of spirit I would say. Um, and also again, the not following through, not, uh, not doing what is asked. Um, and that's either, um, being solicited or unsolicited, I guess. Um, and honestly, just not, not a firm handshake. I I love to have Mm. someone who has a firm handshake. What are the great qualities that make up a good spirit? (sighs) Generosity, a sense of playfulness and spontaneity, a sense of integrity, and just a love and joy of life. Is there a spot in your heart for bad boys? Hell yeah. (laughs) So define bad boys for me. Someone who doesn't play by the rules, someone who wants to be in charge, even when maybe it's not appropriate to do so. Uh, Someone who maybe takes control a little bit too much, but the fact is, is that that tingling sensation that happens when someone like that does that. Yeah, that's definitely a turn on. Can you get the same thing from a gentleman? Absolutely. Absolutely. Tell me more about that. You know, I think when a gentleman, um, I'm not going to say cater because that's not the right word, but maybe you can sense what I need and then we'll follow through and make that happen. Um, kind of just knowing, um, I mean, just the traditional things about opening doors and, and uh, pulling chairs out and ordering me a glass of wine even and, and doing those sorts of things. So those, I, those things I very much appreciate in the gentleman. What is your love language, or if you don't have just one, your top two? I would say for me, as as being someone to give love to, it is the acts of service that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think for me to receive that love, it is that, but it's all that. It's all. It's also that sense of um, I like the physical touch. I like the the emotional, um, the intimacy part. That's important to me. Do you ever feel touch starved? I do. I do. Definitely. Even more so now. Given these times. What? Yeah. Obviously in this, these times, but what, what is the feeling that goes through you when you feel that? Mm. Well, I, I say from a, a non-sexual sense, just the mm-hmm. sense of, um, I want to feel seen. I want to feel heard. I want to feel loved and, and have that, uh, you know, intimate emotional connection. But um, from a, the sexuality part of it, the sex part of it is just that craving, that desire to, to, you know, be touched and be caressed and, and, and all the rest that comes along with that. What is your favorite thing to do with someone? And what is your favorite thing to have done with you? Hmm. What are we, are we talking to you not sex or non-sex? In any way you'd <laughs> like to. Um, okay. I'll give you both. So, uh, you know, I, I actually love to just, um, dancing is a passion of mine. So I love, I love to dance alone, but I love to dance with a partner and someone who knows how to dance well 
that is a huge turn on for me. Um, I guess we can, we can skip the sex part if you want. <laughs> I don't know if your audience will appreciate that, but you're welcome to, if you'd like. I think on that, I would say all of the above and all of the above. <laughs> Understood. How's, how's that? What is your fantasy? Do you have a secret? We all have sexual fantasies or secrets. That's what my show is all about. My name is Nikki, and I'm the host of In Bed with Nikki. In this show, it's all about sex and the fantasies that people have. Reading from my emails directly and anonymously sent to me, together we will explore the experiences of everyday people, just like yourself. Often, this is the very first time they've told anyone else about them. You can find In Bed with Nikki on Podchaser, Spotify, Apple iTunes, and anywhere else you find your other favorite podcasts. And remember, for every problem, there is a solution. And I happen to call it an orgasm. And until next time, enjoy. Hi, this is Jane Boone, the author of the novel Edge Play. It's a revenge fantasy where the big short meets 50 shades of gray. Only the women wield the whips and the billionaires submit. You can find it at Amazon in paperback or for your Kindle. And be sure to check out my episode with Tara Indiana right here on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. Thank you. You know you've gotten those messages you just have to talk about. So now we will. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. So we move into the good, the bad, and the ugly, talking about the way people message each other and the way people have first impressions. And I asked you earlier what makes a good first impression, but what is the first time that a first impression has just bowled you over with its thoughtfulness and sensitivity? You know, I think I would say... And are we talking about social media here? Are we talking about like just in person or just kind of in talking about just trying to get to know someone? Because right now, obviously, a lot of it is done in social media yeah. or through messaging. But I think it, the same thing will apply for just about anything when you're talking about how people connect with each other. Mm. You know, I would say probably most importantly is just paying attention paying attention and being present and, and having that sense of authentic listening where when you know someone's really paying attention to you, you can see it in their body language. You can see it, you can feel it. You know, it's, it's almost, it's that sensation that you feel it when you're really, really being attended to. And that for me is, is amazing when someone gets that and then I receive that, Oh, it's, Mm -hmm. it's the best thing in the world. So as a personal life coach, what advice do you give to people who are going, I just don't understand why nobody likes me? Mm, mm. First of all, I know it's a cognitive distortion because Mm -hmm. somebody will always like you, Mm -hmm. but a lot of people will take it black and white. Nobody likes me. Yeah. Um, I would, I would challenge their thinking. Honestly, I would really put it back to them and say, let's, let's, uh, let's met that out a little bit. And, um, and tell me more about that and give me some examples of what you mean by that. And then I would challenge them to, to reframe that and, uh, and look at the opposite of what they think might be true for themselves. Give me a story about the biggest difference you've seen in a life from the time you started with someone to the time you've worked through now. Mm, I would say, um, and I think she's actually one of my, um, my, my subjects in my book that I, that I recently wrote, mm-hmm. um, about this woman who came in, um, I was a, a life coach for a, uh, like a wellness and, and fitness retreat and she was there for weight loss and she felt horrible about herself and all of these things that come along with it and midlife and, you know, horrible relationship with her husband and so forth and so on. And, and we started talking about what it meant for her to just feel secure and safe in her body. And 
what that meant. And then we kind of went through that to the feeling of feeling sexy and, and feeling that desire for herself first and foremost, before it even had to come in to play with a, with her husband. And she, we, we struggled, we struggled for a while with that because she really, really couldn't see herself in that way. And then slowly, but surely I had her really being able to tap into her body and really kinesthetically love herself again and, and start to move in a way that she could really feel that sensuality within herself. And when she started doing that, putting those in place, kind of the, the domino effect kind of happened then. So where everything else in her life started to, she saw herself uh, with fresh eyes and same with her relationship with her husband, which was pretty remarkable. Is there an age limit on the lower side to people who need to feel sexy again? Or can it happen in your 20s or 30s? Oh, hell yeah. It can happen. It can happen. You know, we are all sexual beings, right? And I want to be careful here, of course, because, you know, you know, 18 and over, let's, let's worry, let's worry, let's uh, worry I, about And that. I totally understand that. <laughs> we are an adult show. We, we are an adult show. And um, so, yes, but I would definitely say, um, you know, there are people in their 20s who I've, I've spoken with who, you know, they, they act almost as if they are decades older than themselves. and. Um, not seeing themselves in their youth and vitality and, and all that um, is possible for them. So absolutely, you know, as, as young as, you know, early twenties and even teens, I think that that can um, be a benefit um, for people who are, who who are experiencing that. So let's talk about the older generation. I know that I'm 57 I'm up there in the ages of midlife. But is there any point where you've seen that people are like, okay, I don't need to feel sexy now? Or is there a surprising amount of people who go, damn right, I want to feel sexy again, and I don't care how old I am? Well, I just did a four-month stint at a sex shop as a sexual health resource, and uh, I can tell you with with 100% certainty that people in older and old age, uh, they absolutely damn straight want to feel sexy again and want to, uh, not only for themselves and their, their relationships, but then it's all about just play and exploration, even, you know, if they haven't experienced a lot of these things, um, even in their younger years. So absolutely. <laughs> As a sex education resource, like you were at the sex shop, what's the number one question that's asked of you? <laughs> um, well, I live in the state of Utah and, um, most, I recently found this out too. Uh, we are the number two uh, selling of anal products in the world next to the <laughs> country of Spain. So the biggest question that is asked of me is asking me about anal sex. That's interesting. It's especially, very interesting. Especially with our presenting sponsor, Dating Kinky. <laughs> Many people in the kink world are very much exploring the anal side of things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Not something that I've done personally, but I understand that there are a lot of people who are interested in it. I'm going to ask the naive question, why? Well, I think first of all is because it is taboo. It's, it's mm -hmm. taboo, right? And I think also it is a very, you know, it's, it's something that is kind of secretive. And those things that you know, and I live in a community that is, we have a predominant religion and a lot of mm -hmm. the, this happens, we have all the subculture that happens right underneath the surface, right? So those, those moments of, it's almost like the polarity of, oh my God, I can't, I can't possibly even think about this to the other side of like, this is all I can think about. <laughs> mm. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's been a fascinating journey and I will, and you're, you're in a, I'm, I'm going down that route myself right now. I mean, how can I, as a, you know, a sexual health resource, not, uh, not experience, uh, what my, you know, clients and guests are, are asking of, of for themselves. Um, I've, you know, had to have some experiences myself to be able to, uh, be more proficient in that. So with our show being presented by Dating Kinky, is 
I'll say America, but will I say, to be more specific, is Utah getting kinkier? Oh, yes, they are. Well, I don't know if they're getting kinkier. Um, I think they've always been kinky. I just think Mm -hmm. that maybe there's more openness to have it be acceptable Mm -hmm. and be more open with it. So um, I don't know if it's kinkier, but I think that they're being allowed now to be able to to show it um, more in an open way, which is phenomenal. Is the definition of normal changing right now? Mm. I don't even like the word normal. <laughs> and that's that's kind of why I asked the question. Yeah, I, I don't like the word normal because what does that mean? And if you're not normal, what the hell is that? Because I know mm-hmm. for sure that I am not normal and I mm-hmm. am 100% okay with that. So you talk about in on your website, remember what it's like to want to get naked. <laughs> Tell me more about that. Well, from my own experience and, and uh, again, being 50, having teenagers now, I, you know, I think when we, as, as I'm going to say women who have had babies and, and not even women who've had babies, but, you know, we go through so much physical, emotional, psychological, mental growth and um, transformation when, um, when we grow and especially when we have kids and it's like we give ourselves over to something else and kind of get lost, I think along the way. And I think that to reclaim, you know, our bodies and our sense of selves, I think is hugely important. And I think that there's a lot of us that, um, you know, I'm going to say predominantly women and mothers that we are nurturers and caregivers and, you know, give, give, give until we're hardly even out of, you know, have any air left, but we're still doing it Mm -hmm. because we think that's what we need to do for, to look good and and all of that. And and the reality is, is that no, we need to, to feel and look good. And the way to do that is to, to really, Selfish again, I don't think is a bad word, but to mm-hmm. to have a self selfishness in a way that brings us back to like self love and self care and and uh, and yeah and you know whatever bodies are are in in the moment to really honor that and say this is where I'm right now and I'm going to love myself and love my body and love myself naked mm-hmm. every step of the way. Does the same thing go for men, or is there a slight difference in what they want? Mm. I think men have a lot of similarities. I, I think that um, I think that we, as women, I think that we are are more vocal about it, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Um, but I definitely think that the that men feel that way um, as well. I mean, I'm I'm married, and my husband is uh, fifty, almost fifty four, and um, I can I can tell you that he has a similar experience in in some ways for sure. What is it that women want? as far as the way a man approaches them for sex? Are there certain things that are absolutely things that will make you feel good? And are there some things that will absolutely make you feel bad? Mm-hmm. Well, I think to um, preface the question, I think that we have to know first what we want. Mm-hmm. Because I think if we are able to do that for ourselves, we are very much more likely to be able to give our partner the tools that he or she needs to be able to give us the pleasure that we desire. So with that being said, you know, I think it's um, it's the partner going in not thinking that they know everything, because oftentimes that is very far from the truth. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's communication. It's asking the questions, and it's really just being curious and and explorative, and but also just like in a very loving and honoring way. Do you coach couples as well? I do, and I will because right now, and I'll tell you that I'm I'm in a liminal stage. I'm in transition right now, so. Um, I am transitioning from life coaching. I'm actually in a clinical sexology and sex coaching program. So mm-hmm. come, uh, come in spring, um, that will be my full-time focus. So I have done life coaching clients, um, and as couples in the past, but as that transition, you know, comes, I am looking at, I want to, I want to work with a lot of couples. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, absolutely. 
What is the biggest disparity between men and women and what they think the other one wants? I think that there is a, a discordance of desire and that oftentimes, you know, we're always someone's has a little bit more desire and someone has a little less, right? And so it's it's that battle of, of trying to come together. How do we do that and balance that out for each other and be able to have satisfying and fulfilling sex lives when oftentimes that is, there's a huge part of that, that, you know, just because, you know, I feel like I'm ready to go in my head, I may not be mm-hmm. lubricated and ready to go. I and mean, just because you have an erection, that may not be that that's like going to be like the, you're, you know, that's not the thing that you need. That's going to totally do it for you either. So, but it's having those conversations about that and that can be really damn scary. Um, even if you're in a, you know, in a commit, committed long-term relationship, you know, having those conversations can be, um, can be frightening as hell. What is the top question that men are scared to ask women or too embarrassed to ask? I, I think it, it has to do with them either being enough or or being enough for their partner or doing it right. And I think oftentimes that there's this sense of, oh my God, if I'm not doing it right, that I'm failing as your partner. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there is a right um, and a wrong necessarily. It's It's more about that configuration of like, well, what is, what is good right now? Because that can change, right? That can change. Um, but also I believe it's a matter of like, okay, I can't, I can't read your mind. You can't read mine. How are we going to figure this out together? And by extension of that is it's verbal, but it's also being able to the responsiveness that you get from somebody, right? You can tell with body language and body language is a lot more than, than, uh, you know, the, the verbal part is just a small part of that, right? So being able to tap into someone's body language and really feeling that responsiveness can, can give us a lot of clues if we're paying attention. In the world of kink, many scenes go through negotiations where one person tells the other person what they want and one person says, this, these are the things I would like to do. Do you think that if you were to preface some sex with that, that things would be a lot better when they communicate what they want and what they'd like to do? Mm, I think absolutely. Oh yeah. I think that goes hand in hand. Um, you know, I feel like we're, we're all just like, you know, a lot of us, you know, we're all just beginners in some ways, if you think about it, especially if you're a, you know, you may not have a partner that you've been with very long. And maybe this is the first experience you're having with somebody. So it's like, we're all like, uh, you know, in the dark together, trying to trying to figure this out. So, oh, absolutely. How do you help a man who is scared that they can't perform or, as you mentioned earlier, can't be enough? How do you say you're going to be okay? Well, I think first to normalize how he's feeling, you know, because mm-hmm. he's not alone. He's not alone in that. But also to give him the courage to say, okay, you have it within you. You have it within you. So, so what are some steps that you can take to start going down that path? And, you know, really just trusting and believing in yourself. I think we, it's so easy for us to discount our feelings and those, um, that innate sense of, you know, intuition and stuff that we have, mm-hmm. men and women. So I think trusting ourselves and letting go of what's in our heads and really being able to like really come from a really feeling, um, a feeling space versus, you know, intellectualizing it. And I'm sure there were a lot of ways that women will feel the same way where they don't feel like they're enough. And you had mentioned the story about the woman who was going through weight loss and Mm -hmm. wondering if, if she was enough with body images and things like that. What are the top things that women are kind of worried about when it comes to being intimate? Mm. It's how it, it's, it's our bodies, our external, you know, our, mm-hmm. our external self, right? So he's going to see my flabby gut or my flabby boobs or, you know, fill in the blank. I didn't shave. He's in a, you know, and I really, no one gives a shit about that <laughs> in that moment. You know, when that moment happens, you know, I, I think oftentimes, you know, there might be a, you know, an outlier there somewhere, but for the most part, that ability of like, oh my gosh, she's wanting to have sex with me. And like, just those feelings, like 
no, no one gives a crap about any of that kind of stuff. So I think it for us as women is us getting out of our own heads and just mm-hmm. being in the experience, right? Taking taking all the shame and the guilt and the the worry out of what we look like and how we might sound or whatever, and just because I don't think I think there's nothing sexier than when women or men um, fully embrace that experience and that sensation mm-hmm. and sensuality. There's like that's that's there's no better turn on than that. When it comes to relationships, what is the best way that a man can support a woman in feeling sexy again? Because I would guess that there are some cases where men are like, hold on, this is a different person that's showing up here. What's going on here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and, and may not be ready for it. Yeah. And that could be too. I mean, that, that's definitely, that's definitely, uh, that's definitely potential. And then there could be jealousy and things of, oh my God, no other guys are going to look at her. And like, you know, just mm-hmm. that list goes on. Right. Um, I just think acknowledging and not just a verbal acknowledgement, but just that sense of like, I guess, and I'll just speak for myself. It's just that mm-hmm. sense of, of touch and of, uh, protection is the wrong word. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's not quite what I want to convey, but it's almost that sense of like protection and that sense of like gathering, gathering me in his arms in both in a, you know, in a physical sense, but also in mm-hmm. kind of in that esoteric, like just engulfing me with love and, and acceptance and appreciation, mm-hmm. I think. I think it all comes down to the fact that both men and women want to feel safe. Yeah. Yep. Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's part of, that's my, my top three, uh, you know, values of, of life. And, and one of them is, is safety. So absolutely. What are the other two? Uh, intimacy mm-hmm. and, and um, strength, like physical, str- physical and emotional strength. How much does emotional intelligence go into a good relationship? Mm. I think it's a huge part of relationship and whether it's, uh, you know, a sexual relationship or a, or a a friendship uh, for me, I think it's, it's, I would say it's up there like paramount um, with, with, you know, just that feeling of being safe and having that authenticity Mm -hmm. and and that genuineness is, uh, is huge. You talked about the fact that you don't like the word normal, and many people don't like the word normal. Today, monogamy is becoming something that is less and less the norm, and many people are practicing polyamory or are involved in relationships, whether they be same-sex. Some people are non-binary. How has the world, in your eyes, changed in this way? Hmm. Well, I see it as being a lot more, even like you were talking about Utah and and the whole King thing. I think it's becoming more acceptable. Mm -hmm. Um, I think people feel safer to be able to show that again. I know that there's still, there's, there's still a lot of, of stigma and, and, and judgment and, and that sort of thing, um, that I think unfortunately will always exist. Um, but I think there's more grace and, and, a sense of, you know, allowing people to be who they are, if, as long as they are, are consent, you know, they have consent and they're safe Mm -hmm. and they're, they're happy and joyful and loving, then, um, why the hell not? And, you know, when I wrote the book, it was prior to me going into the sexology field and it's Mm -hmm. from a very heteronormative perspective. And part of my journey coming out of it and, and going into this work is seeing for myself, seeing this through different eyes mm-hmm. and, and having different experiences now that, oh, it's like the light bulb kind of goes off a little bit and, and realizing, man, it's amazing and so beautiful that there are so many ways to have an expression of love in, in this world. And I'm, I'm grateful to, to have those new eyes to see with. Having grown up in the 70s, myself. I know a little bit about summers of love and free love and love above love. These days, it seems like a lot of that same thing is going on. The difference seems to be consent. Mm. 
Yeah. How important has that concept been in the way that men and women and people of all genders are able to relate to each other? Oh, I, you know, I, I can't think, I can't think of anything more. Um, I think consent is absolutely 100% um, necessary in any type of relationship that um, is going to be uh, created and forged and, and maintained. So yeah, a hundred percent. And it's funny that we are just now, it's now becoming a thing, right? I mean, at least it's not, not that it's not becoming a thing now, but that we are being like, we're demanding that this is something that needs to happen. And Hey, better late than never, but um, you know, it's, it's time. How freeing was it for you to go through the transformation that you went through of wanting to feel sexy again? Hmm. Incredibly freeing and I'm still on the journey. Mm -hmm. And I think that I will always be. I think the most important thing is I, I, I was able to find myself and really reclaim me and in a way that I am never going to go back to how I felt before, because it's empowering, it's powerful. Mm -hmm. And, um, I feel like it's, it's the best part of my life going through this and, and evolving and transforming. What has been the most surprising landmark of your journey? I think being able to finally, um, just let go of control. It's been kind of a, you know, it's been my, I've been a perfectionist my entire life. I can say I'm, I'm, a, I'm in recovery mm. <laughs> or no, maybe the, I'm, 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 in, I'm recovering because I don't think I'll ever be in recovery. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and very much codependent. And, you know, those two combined have allowed me to really like, oh, I just need to, I need to control everything in my life and everything outside of my life. Because if I can mm -hmm. do that, everything will be okay. So letting go of control of pretty much everything save for what I know that I can do and think and feel has, has really been a huge gift. Now, not to say that I don't try and do that once in a while, but I mm -hmm. come back around and say, hold on, hold on, Erica, hold on. You do not have control of the situation. So what are you going to do? What are you going to do within it? Curious about the guy's perspective. What has been the most surprising thing that your husband has found about your journey? Hmm. <laughs> Knowing that he has no control. <laughs> <laughs> and for instance, yeah. what what would be what I, I've seen your Instagram and it is absolutely oh lovely. <laughs> I I actually enjoy your costumes. The thing you did for Halloween was amazing. Oh, thank you. But there are times when you yeah. show the all uh, together. Mm -hmm. Is he used to this yet? Um, you know, I will, I will, uh, I will mention to him, Hey, have you seen my post today? <laughs> Maybe you should take a look and see. Um, he's very supportive and, mm -hmm. you know, believe it or not, I, he's, he's not, at least he, at least as far as I can tell, um, is not jealous and is actually very, um, he's my champion and, and mm -hmm. my cheerleader in knowing that, oh my God, this force of nature is she's, she's in her, she's in her realm and there's nothing that he can do to stop it. Mm -hmm. He's like, I'm just going to accept it because what else am I going to do? <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Now, if you were when to ask we, him that right now, it might be a different, different answer, but I'm hoping not. <laughs> I'm hoping not. <laughs> is jealousy a healthy thing or is it something that can totally destroy? You know, it's interesting. I, I'm a, in, a, in a, a circle of, of women, this group, and we actually talked about the, kind of the difference between jealousy and envy. Mm -hmm. And... And I think jealousy can, can destroy where envy can actually help foster and create. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, you know, I don't think jealousy is like, I I'm trying to get away from the being good or bad, you know, having that, mm -hmm. having that connotation of good and bad. Um, you know, maybe it does have its place once in a while, you know, being a little jealous because it, but, but as it's reflected upon like, well, what do I do with that versus, mm -hmm. 
jealous. Am I good? I'm going to make him feel this way or whatever. But like, what does that say about me and my feelings when I'm in a state of, of feeling jealous? Mm-hmm. And then it's, and then it's, and then what do I do about that? Have there been any issues with your posts on it? They being taken the wrong way, especially because I'm sure there have been a comment or two or a million that have complimented you in a lovely way, but maybe not so properly. True. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, when that does happen, I kind of nip that in the bud, you know, um, but obviously other people are reading that. So they're going to, uh, they're going to take it for what that is. Right. Um, I think he's pretty forgiving uh, when it comes to that. Cause you know, mm-hmm. he can't control and I can't control what other people are going to say or how they're going to react, but then I can choose to, to react to that reaction how, how I mm-hmm. wish. Right. I want to talk a little bit about toxic masculinity okay. because unfortunately it plays a big role in our society right now. And I've often asked the question, and of course it's strange for a guy to ask this question, but is there hope for men? Oh, with a hundred percent certainty, there is hundred percent certainty. How do they get there if they're not there already? Well, there has to be some deprogramming <laughs> that has to happen in some level, but they also have to be wanting to do so. You know, I think it's not going to happen to be forced um, into doing something that they don't they don't wish to do. So it has to come from within, from a, a place somewhere that that they want to make a change. Um, and that they see the value for themselves in that. And I don't think that's, that's not an easy thing. You know, that's not an easy thing to, 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 uh, perform, I think. So when it all comes down to it, what does Erica want? Mm. Oh, that's a big question. <laughs> Cause I feel right now that there is, there's so much happening right now that there is this energy that's building even with COVID and everything that's going on, that's keeping us isolated right now that I see beyond that and see the potentials of how I can serve people and the freedom and the expansiveness that I see um, both in my life personally and professionally. And honestly, I just, I want, I want to, you know, my, my tagline, which I'm trying to create is your pleasure is my passion. And honestly, that's really what I want. I want I want to have people, whoever I come in contact with, to, to find and, and be able to cultivate whatever pleasures that they're seeking, to be able to go after it and to achieve it. And that to me is just like, oh, I just, I just want to like, I want to get going on that. And I really just want things to open up so I can, I can make more of that happen. Realizing that you're polyamorous can be a wonderful insight. Polyamory Dating Guide is a book about finding other people who share your view of polyamory and want to share it with you. This book includes a variety of sections on poly-specific dating, such as navigating online dating with a review of poly-specific dating sites and how to make a profile that works, real-time dating tips that will tell you where to find polyam people and how to make a positive impression, how to date as an existing couple, and if you should, dating as an introvert, queer in dating, and lots more. Get your copy at polyamorydatingguide.com. This is what women and other wonderful humans want. Presented by Dating Kinky. Kinky connections and kinky education. It's kinky done differently. Take us inside your book. What are the main things that we would get out of your book? <sighs> Feel sexy again, the ultimate guide to reclaiming your sexual confidence. Man, I what I think about, I mean, it's going to, you know, obviously it's going to be, it's going to be out there forever. It's like, what the hell was I thinking? That's a long ass title. Number one, (laughs) (laughs) you know, wow. Um, you know, I think a lot of it has to do with my own experiences of just kind of what we alluded to earlier of just, you know, having kids and being a a working full-time mom and, and having multiple transitions that occur, uh, within a very smart, smart, small, um, amount of time. And, you know, we can see what stress and anxiety and depression mm-hmm. does to us. Right. And if we stay within that and, and allow the suffering to kind of take over, then 
we just, there's a feeling of just hopelessness, helplessness, you know, all of those things. And, and that was happening for me. Um, and everything saved divorce. And, and t- truth be told, you know, I was, you know, there were times I was like, I, I need to be out of this relationship as well, but there was death mm-hmm. and death and illness and destruction all, all the way around. Um, but my, my, my health really suffered and I wasn't paying attention to my body, to the whole mind, body, spirit was out the window and mm. I was eating like shit. I was drinking too much. I was lethargic. Um, I was irritable and bitchy and just, just, a, I was a horrible person for a while. Mm. Um, and I did have that eat, pray, love moment. I swear I was on the bathroom floor, just sobbing my eyes out for the, you know, I don't know, umpteenth day, week, month. And it was like, mm-hmm. what the hell am I doing? And, and this is, and I'm someone who's done a lot of like, you know, work with, you know, mindset work and wellness and, and neurobiology, neuroscience and all of those things. And it was like, why am I not taking my own medicine? Mm. And I literally like pulled myself up and just said, you know, I can choose any time to stop this. So what's, what am I waiting for? What am I waiting for? So Erica, was this book a game plan that you were writing for yourself? Oh, without a doubt. Yes. Yep. Without a doubt. Because within the book, it's a, like an eight step process and it takes you from, you know, why do I even feel deserving of having what I want essentially and taking through steps up to where, okay, I've embraced my, my newfound sense of sexy me and, you know, look out world, here I come. <laughs> so That's yes, fantastic. absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I definitely had a lot of clients who were experiencing it, but I was also in tandem going through um, a lot of similarities. And I thought, yeah, you know, I don't, I want to feel not so alone. And mm-hmm. I think by writing the book, that was my, my way of like saying, okay, if, if there's one more person out there, just one who I might help mm-hmm. with this book, then my job is done. But ultimately it was, it, I helped myself and, and the job had already been done for me, but the icing on the cake or the cherry on top, so to speak, <laughs> is, uh, is the fact that there have been so many people who, um, who've read my book already and, and have just had so many, amazing stories of, of transformation and of healing. And I'm just, I'm just beyond honored to, to even help one person outside of myself. With the brand that you're building is a book. What is next a new book or is it just a combination of every bit of media you can think of? Mm. A new book is definitely new book, new books, um, plural are definitely, um, on the horizon, Mm -hmm. um, for sure. Um, but I also, I've been, uh, I've been dabbling probably, I've been writing for over 30 years and, uh, erotica is, is not out of the question either because I'm very, very descriptive and I, I like writing erotica. I like reading Mm -hmm. it. I like, you know, I like hearing it. I like listening to it. And, um, I think I have a knack for it. So that's definitely part of me, uh, part of my, my, uh, my path is to, is to go down that route as well. Two great follows, Lexi Silver and Jane Boone, both Mm. of whom have been guests on this show and they are amazing in what they write. Yes, absolutely. Well, I I hope to join the the back one of these days. (laughs) (laughs) Is there coming up a feel sexy again for men? Mm, you know, that's definitely something that I have thought about. And I've had a couple of people ask me about that. I'm not sure what I, what I will say though, is what I've also, I've, you know, for better, or for worse, realized that I'm really good at being able to seduce and, and bring that to a point where I can maybe help men with their seduction process for, mm for, you know, for their, their in, in intended partners. So um, that's definitely something I've been kicking around for a little bit too. Sounds like fun. How do we find the book? 
you can find the book well it's it's all over it's amazon and barnes and noble and and mm-hmm. your check your local bookstores and demand to find feel sexy again in your local bookstores um but also you know you can uh, you can reach out to me and if anyone's out there who just wants me to give them a book i would be certainly happy to do so so they can email me and uh, send me their info and i'd be happy to send one to them we will put all that information in our show notes Absolutely. And where can they follow you on uh, the major social media? So in case they don't get to the show notes, we know where to find you. Um, my website is feelsexyagain.com. And I am Feel Sexy Again on Facebook, but with two X's because they wouldn't, you know, Facebook is kind of funny that way. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I'm happy for anyone to email me. And it's Erica, E-R-I-C-A at feelsexyagain.com. That's wonderful. It has been an absolute pleasure having you on the show today. And I hope that uh, taking the journey once again and going back to some of the things that may have been transformative was as much fun for you as it was for me. Well, the pleasure is all mine tonight. And so thank you for the experience. I've had the joy of being in contact with Erica since we recorded this podcast, and she's discovering a wonderful journey of self-awareness and possibilities where not only is she feeling sexy again, she's evolving into a greater being at the same time. I congratulate her on her mission and hope she never stops chasing her passions. Hey, have you checked out our past episodes like last week's with Cleo Stiller talking about modern manhood? Or how about the one with BDSM Hall of Famer Tara Indiana that went political in a very fun way? You can check them all out at Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, Google, and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe at your favorite outlet. And if you're on Apple, can you leave us a review and a rating? We sure would appreciate it. 2021 rolls on with the author of Bow Down, Lessons from Dominatrices on how to get everything you want. It's journalist Lindsay Goldwork joining us. She's a funny lady who has put a whole new spin on business books with this groundbreaking offer. That premieres next Tuesday, but that will do it for this week's episode. I would love to hear from you. Shoot me a note at john at datingkinky.com. That's john, J-O-N, at datingkinky.com. And I am John, known as Hi There Catsuit. Thanking you for being with us for this edition of What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. And in closing, I hope I've earned the privilege of your time and reminding you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want connects with you on social media. Check us out at What Women Want P1 on Twitter, What Women Want Podcast on Instagram. And for our kinky friends on FetLife at WWW Podcast. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky. Kinky done differently.